Chao. What do you want? In a podcast to you. Gotta talk about Giallo movies just for you. The only thing I'd like, I'd really like, is to meet you face to face. It'll happen sooner or later, but you don't have to recognize us. Thanks. However, you disappoint me, duck. You throw a challenge my way. I almost forgot the most important part. We go by Creep, Creeperson, and Chris. And this is Chow Chow Chow. Got it. The harbor, a phone booth sitting right near Pier 11. I'll get out the APB. Move, you bastard. Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of Jello Chow Chow. I'm Creep. How you doing, Chris? Hey, and you know we're only 10 episodes away from episode 69. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to do something filthy. <laughs> like watch a Jello. And you know what? Um, this is the first time I think we've started it right at 9 o'clock, so congratulations oh to us. Yes amazing um hi everybody yes absolutely here we are um oh fuck hey is that working yeah are, are you at the lake get the fuck out of here it's actually working that's that never happened before what ha- why is my all right hey listen i'm not gonna um okay for those of you listening to the audio version i just turned on my google effects and it started working after how many episodes did i complain I think those always work. I've seen you with dumb shit on your face before, but maybe not this much. <laughs> it might not have been anything to do with Google, though. <laughs> uh, let me see if my lower third her, 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 actually shows now, because that would be awesome. It does. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Maybe you wow. just need to update something. I didn't update a goddamn thing. Nothing. Nothing's been updated. <laughs> oh, well. But now you can't see my uh, it's sure. 7 a.m. somewhere t-shirt, but that's okay. 
So yeah, what's up everybody? Here we are. Um, my son, the other day, I just have to mention this. Okay. We were at my mom's house and uh, we were in the pool and we play this game called uh, Color Shark, which is basically somebody stands on the diving board and they, they stand with their back to the, to the people in the pool and then they pick a topic like favorite color. And I guess that's where Color Shark comes from. And so they name, they just, they just shout out colors. And when you hear the color that's your favorite, you have to swim to the other side of the pool as quietly as possible. Yeah. And if the person on the diving board hears you go, they jump in and then try to tag you and then you're it. So the topic on Sunday was scariest movie that you want to see or that you have seen or something like that. And my son's only seven, so he hasn't seen that many scary movies. And at one point, he turned to me and he goes, Dad, what's yours? Is it a, is it a gallo? Is it some sort of a gallo movie? And I'm like, what? A what? What do you mean gallo? He's like, you know, that podcast you do. I'm like, oh, a giallo. Yeah, probably. But my, my favorite scary movie is not a giallo. So anyway, but I thought that was interesting that he was picking up on that What did stuff. you do on what did I swim on? Um, nobody guessed it, but my my I think my favorite scary movie is The Shining. Yeah, so. pretty good. <sighs> that's a good one. I, we used to play that game all the time as a kid, but I don't remember if that's what we called it. Yeah, I think it's kids have a way of kind of um, repurposing old games and giving them new names um, and pretending that they've ne that no one's ever played them before, so that they can be the first to truth or dare somebody into something ridiculous. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I was like, oh, my son knows about Jalo, Gallo movies. Um, one, at least one of my copies of So Deadly, So Perverse had been laying out on the desk, and it's the one, um, I think it's the second edition with the picture from one of the Lamberto Bava films with the woman who has like her bare ass showing and then the glove with the knife in front of it. And I, I remember my son seeing that and mentioning, making a comment about that this woman's butt was sticking out. So <laughs> it's all coming. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. It's it's uh, the chickens are coming home to roost at some point with my son. I'll come home one day and he'll be like watching Dawn of the Dead, and I won't know whether to um, scold him or sit down and finish watching it with him. So we'll say. Yeah, my daughter just turned thirteen, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's like, it's bonkers, dude. I don't understand anything. I got nine more years before that happens. So oh, cherish those years, my friend. <laughs> That's what they all say. <laughs> um, so do you have any other like updates of anything of any kind? No, not really. I think we probably need to mention that uh, Bud Spencer just passed away. He was, uh, yeah. A B, uh, uh, what was he famous? I mean, for, from the Jalo standpoint, he was in Four Flies on Gray Velvet, but I don't know what he was. He was in a bunch of spaghetti westerns and shit. Oh, okay. So I'm not, I, I haven't dedicated any time to watching those yet. So, well, actually, I just watched Django the other night with Franco Nero, the original one. Mm. And that was pretty fun. I've never cool. seen that. Um, I would like I, to see that. I also watched that Eurocrime documentary. Oh, was it good? Um, yes and no. Like the interview segments were good, but like the sound throughout the whole movie was off. So uh -oh. like some interviews are really quiet. Some are really loud. Some they're not even really focused. Right. Or it's uh -oh. like 
like and then that they would put like just like a sheet that you could see all the creases and folds in it <laughs> behind people and so yeah. that was really annoying but then like they probably said to themselves like we have something really cool here but no one's gonna buy this piece of shit so then they had <laughs> like someone put a ton of effects in it like um just like animations and cool like flash cut scenes nice. uh, a lot of music but it almost got too much because like we started watching it and i think no one starts actually talking until the seven minute mark oh wow so for seven minutes it's like flash boom flash boom flash boom yeah. and you're just like fucking kill me you know like but other than that it was a really good watch and got me um into watching some Poliziotesca. So oh, cool. I've been watching a bunch of that lately. I watched uh, um, Violent Naples and The Cynic, The Rat, and The Fist. And then I started just downloading other stuff. And let me tell you, I can't remember what the girl's name is. It's like Greta something or Gilda something. Right. But there's this movie called Blue Jeans. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. Um, it is interesting to say the least it's basically about a dude who gets he finds his 17 year old daughter who's a hooker and then the whole rest of the movie he's wondering if he should do her or not oh. very strange film wow <clears throat> but then she was in another movie that we started watching today and it was just so raunchy like i just stopped it shockingly enough <laughs> because it was too early but i think it was called the teasers or something mm. like that wow just a lot of pubic hair <laughs> and stuff oh okay that one without well, that one's coming up uh 1975 as a comedy the teasers would it be would you consider it a comedy i guess um with a lot of bush yeah interesting but yeah. I thought it was a crime, like a Euro crime. And like, you have to wait, like, I don't know, like an hour and 20 minutes before the crime happens. Oh boy. And then the movie ends and you're like, oh. <laughs> I really want to see that one. Um, where that has that famous Barbara Boucher strip tease scene in it. I forget what it's called. Um, just because that scene, I don't know if, if any of the rest of the movie is any good, but that one scene is just like unbelievable. Is like that that one that was someone put a clip on the page a while back? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was cool. I forget what it's called, but I think that's like Barbara Boucher. I, you know, she's, she's been featured in a lot of things over the, over a longer span of time in the sixties and seventies, but there's like a peak period where she looks better than ever. And yeah. it's the same thing with Edwidge. There's a, there's a part, there's a point in which Edwidge um, looks a little bit, I, I, I don't want to say trashy because that's not what it is. Like her, she gets, she cuts her hair short, not like the pixie cut from, from strip nude, but like this kind of medium length, kind of curly. And yeah, that's what the early eighties did to all the actresses from the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> like the actresses that came out of the eighties were fine, 
but right. the ones that were trying to transition from like 70s hottie to like milf of the 80s right. i don't know what the fuck happened didn't but do a good job. Yeah. something awful in italy in the early 80s made all of these women just look like the fucking fifth golden girl i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly something isn't right <laughs> <laughs> totally and there's another picture I every once in a while that I see of Edwidge, and I feel like I, th- I feel like it's so awful. But they the the photographer, it looks like he told her to suck in her stomach as hard as possible before he took the picture. Is it the one where she's leaning up against like a wooden wall, like a? I don't, I don't know. It just like you can see like the tops of the bottom of her rib cage, and you can see like her belly's all sucked in. You could tell that she was sucking it in because she has a little bit of a pooch which is very attractive as far as I'm concerned. But I guess at the time they were like, well, you know, everybody's got to have this, you know, flat stomach. And she looked like she was sucking it in pretty bad. But yeah, but there's um, the film that we might do or that we're planning to do next time, which is a muck. I think Barbara Boucher looks fantastic in that film too. Okay. So whatever year that was from, I think 1970 maybe, but at any rate, we're we're jumping ahead here. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention <laughs> we may need to change this first contest for the Jallo playing cards. I'm going to hold them up here. Um, let me go back and just reiterate what the contest was. Okay. Um, for those of you who may have missed last episodes or who may have missed the post on our page, I'm going to look down and and uh, scroll down and see if I can find it. Um, by the way. Um, whoever shared me that fun Fulci fact sheet. That was awesome. It's so cool. It's like the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's so nerdy. Um, right up the alley of Jalo score. Um, so anyway, we were talking about giving away um, this first deck of uh, Jalo playing cards. And I don't have the post in front of me, unfortunately. Now, the contest was that in the washing machine film, which we covered last time, there were four classical pieces. I think when we did the podcast, I said there were three, but I went back before I posted it onto the group site um, and I identified four different pieces. Um, and the, the, the winner of the deck of cards was going to be the first person who uh, correctly identified all the pieces. Now, um, when we talked about this last time, I said that I only knew the first one. Now I went back and figured out um, the first piece and the third and the fourth. I still can't figure out what the second one is. So I'm leaving that kind of up to the audience. But um, we didn't get any any um, any hits on that at all. No one no one made any attempt. So I, question. I guess it's I guess it's a little too hard. I guess par- part of the problem is you have to have a copy of the film in the first place, and the washing machine isn't necessarily easily to come by easy to come by because it's not on youtube so you have to try to find like a bootleg copy or you have to buy a copy from shameless or what have you um so we'll give it another week and see if anybody if we if we can if we can kind of revise or revitalize the idea um but if not we'll we'll you know maybe we'll change it to you know identify one of the four things one of the four classical pieces in that film, not all four of them. Maybe that would be easier. Uh, in fact, that's what I'm going to do. Let's just do that now. 
just just to get some just to get some movement on this thing. So the the contest has been revised. I'll post it to the group. Everybody identify at least one of the classical pieces that are featured in the washing machine. Um, and, and I the first person gets it. The first person to to correctly identify one of them and tell me which one is which. You know, don't just say, "Oh, it's this one." Um, tell Thank me. You. What the uh, what the minute mark is when that when this particular piece is played would be helpful. Um, I can give you guys a hint too because the very last piece that was in the film, um, what was the guy's name um, in the movie that that they thought was dead in the washing machine? Yuri, I think that was his name, right? Spoiler. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he wasn't dead in the washing machine. He wasn't dead in the washing machine. Um, at the very end, he says. And while you and so and so were off enjoying, and then he says the name of the piece. So, if you go back and listen to it, you can get that. So I'm giving you guys some help here. I want to give these away. It's the Jalo playing They're so card. cool. They're so cool. Yes, I have. We have. We have more. So don't think we're going to go easy for the next deck. Um, but we'll we'll find something that maybe is a little easier because I I thought this would be at least get a couple of hits, uh, but we did so. <laughs> No worries. Okay. Um, the only other update thing I have, it has nothing to do with the show, but um, actually there's two things. One, um, I just um, signed a deal for 11 of my movies for, with this one company. So um, wow, some of that's them awesome. have already been released um, from other companies and some of them have never been released. And um, they're going to be pushing really hard for Redbox. So, cool. Uh, we'll Congratulations. See. That would be cool. Amazing. And then the other thing is, I have two new podcasts, if anyone gives a shit. One is about Atari 2600, and that's called Atari Concast, if anyone gives a shit. And the other one is a black metal podcast called Black Metal Moments. So, if anyone gives a shit about that, wow, black metal moments. Yes, we've done uh, Venom's Welcome to Hell, Sodom's Witching Metal, and the next episode is the Merciful Fate EP. So, love Merciful. Good times. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, is it all? Is it all dedicated to satanic metal specifically? Um, it's. I'm trying to chronologically cover um the releases in black metal from the first wave through the second wave and into modern time oh okay it's gonna take so, me extremely long time so does do you so you consider welcome to hell to be like like the very first kind of, kind of. black metal album that's cool excellent yeah but um so i was 81 so i'm an 82 right now and i'll be an 82 for another few episodes nice uh, so when, good when i was in i think eighth grade or seventh grade i got this video cassette called um the ultimate revenge concert and it was exodus venom and slayer and they nice. had they had interviews with slayer and there's a there's a interview where um Je uh dave lombardo and um, I guess Tom Araya were talking about how much their music sounds like Bach. And then in the middle of the interview, somebody throws a piece of, like lunch meat at Dave Lombardo 
and he catches it in his mouth and just chomps it and like some kind of crazy animal that was just thrown some raw meat. It's like the most ridiculous thing ever. But I forget where it was filmed, somewhere in New York City, some club in New York City, but the but look they, it's on YouTube. Look it up, the ultimate uh, ultimate revenge tour with Slayer, Venom, and Exodus. And um Jeff Hanneman's on there. He doesn't even he's not even alive anymore. It's just crazy. Yeah. Didn't he die from a spider bite? Yeah. He yeah. had necroti necro something fasciitis of his arm or something like that. They said it was a spider bite, but then I thought I read something about there being some complications with alcoholism, but I don't know. I thought it was a spider, but there was a picture of his arm that had this crazy skin graft on it, and they, they thought he was getting better, and then he, he died, so I don't know. It's pretty uh, fucked up, uh, though. But anyway. Yeah, moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> so right um, along. Uh, tonight we are doing two George Hilton movies, and I was a little upset because I thought the email said Paris Hilton movies. <laughs> I watched um, House of Wax twice. You didn't watch uh, a night. What was it? Inside a night. A night with a night in Paris. I think that was the name of it, right? No, but I saw Backdoor to China. But that's a whole other situation. <laughs> but um, no, so George Hilton. And um, we're going over Two Faces of Fear and The Killer Must Kill Again. And out of these two films, Two Faces of Fear, I think, is the worst title. Yeah. Don't really understand it. I but. think maybe because there were so many different situations where uh they had those surgical masks on and they just kept doing those close-ups over and over and over and over again which we'll talk about but the film yeah. is like it 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 has a a movie poster that's completely wrong i don't know if you've yeah. seen that one but it's a picture of george hilton and he looks like he's laying on the ground and standing over him is a killer a black gloved hand with a knife that's right above his face and that never happened in the but movie. You want to know why they did that? Probably. Well, because for the promotion. Every right? movie George Hilton's in, he's the bad guy. Right. Nine times out of 10. And I will say this, that I decided to take that theory and throw it in the trash can when I watched these two movies. <clears throat> <laughs> so we'll talk about what happens next. So first we're going to talk about Two Faces of Fear. from 1972 um let me let me actually try to not fuck up a bunch of names um it was directed by tulio demicelli and stars george hilton the king of the jolly fernando ray who um i believe is more of an american actor he, he was in like the french connection and um, movies like that and stuff. And then we have Luciana Paluzzi. Oh my God, I'm going to die. 
<laughs> Did you hear that? Was that thunder? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm outside. This probably is a horrible idea. You shouldn't mention her name again. I know. It's like fucking young Frankenstein. Fia <laughs> Brewer. Um, and Anita Strangeburger. And then a bunch of other people that nobody knows or remembers. So, um, <clears throat> and and I must say that Luciana Paluzzi is very, very hot. Fucking no shit, dude. And the funny thing is, um, she was a Bond girl, kind of. She was in Thunderball. And Thunderball's the one, if I'm not mistaken, that wasn't really in the canon. It was made by a different company after Sean Connery said he would never do another James Bond movie. Um, so she is a Bond girl, but for that other company. But um, yeah, I was like looking at other things I've seen her in. And I think she looks the best in this. Like she was just stunning in this, I thought. She made Strange Burger look strange. Yeah, I'm. I I just found this picture of her in, all in leather, like on yeah. this motorcycle, and it's amazing. That that's a pretty hot picture. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. <laughs> um, but I really think um, in this movie she's just fantastic. So let me read the plot summary of this from IMDb, and then I'll explain something. A professor's wife falls in love with her husband's assistant. When she learns he's planning to move to another city, she does everything she can to avoid it with no success. Soon afterwards, he is found dead in obscure circumstances. A, I think that's just fucking not accurate by any stretch of the imagination. First of all, he's not a professor. He's a surgeon. And... um. The problem with this movie, if there is a problem, um, yeah, here it comes. I'm going to get struck by lightning here in a minute. Live on the chow chow. It's not like you're talking about Citizen Kane. It's just some dumb Jallo, right? <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, out of every Jallo I've ever seen, I think that this movie is the only one that... I had no idea what the plot was for the first like half hour and it completely didn't matter. Right. I didn't care at all. It was still interesting. It was still moving forward, but basically, um, Luciana, her character's name is Elena. I think, um, let me see here. Alina. Yeah. Okay. So Alina Carly, is married to Roberto Carly, who is George Hilton. Their best friends, I guess, is uh, Dr. Michelle Azini, but it's not Michelle. They said something else in the dub. I can't remember. And um, pa pa Paola. Damn it, I knew a girl with this name, too. How do you say it? Paola? It's like Paola. Instead Paola. of... Instead of Paolo, uh, it's the female. It's the female version. So Paola. Paola, but I think it's like Paula, right? Yeah, we'll say Paula. So Paula Lombardi, who is um, Doctor Azini's um, fiance, and she's also a surgeon or a helper bee or some fucking thing. She works at the clinic. <clears throat> now, 
as far as I could understand how this movie starts off, um, Alina is almost an invalid. She has a heart condition or some shit. Right. Her dad started this clinic, I guess, and hired Michelle or Dr. Anzini to like work there or whatever. And he's like the best there is. He wants to leave to go to some other place. And um, Alina's wanting to kind of give him parts of the clinic, like give him a percentage of the clinic to help him to make him stay. And for some reason, Strange Burger doesn't want him to take any offer, which doesn't make any fucking sense, as you'll find out later, I think. And then they have some other guy that kind of runs it. Is that Luzi? Luisi? Uh, yes. Or wait, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he kind of runs the place. The guy who plays the inspector in the other movie we're going to talk about later. Okay. Um, so basically you have these five people and someone is hiding inside Dr. Anzini's home office with a parrot (laughs) and um he has some paper with the offer from the other company that's really important for some reason long story short (laughs) he's shot and killed and the papers go missing or whatever so now we have a list of suspects we have george hilton strange burger um alina the super hot invalid and then the guy from the other movie we'll call him lou yeah. Okay. <clears throat> now, this movie starts off fast and furious and all this stuff, with the exception of the weird story that doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't matter. Then walks in Inspector Nardi, <laughs> played by Fernando Ray. Now, as you've seen in a lot of these Jalo movies, the police officers usually bring in the comic relief. This guy's comic relief is that he just quit smoking and he's pissed off every time someone lights a cigarette and every single person, even if they never smoked in the movie before, as soon as he walks in the room, they're going to light a cigarette so he can have some like fun playtime. Then he has a partner who's a complete idiot, supposedly. And his only job the entire movie is to question the parrot. <laughs> and he fucking, there's a scene where he actually slaps the bird across the face. And I was like, what? But, um, so he's trying to fucking interrogate a parrot. Who's the only witness to this murder. <clears throat> the other guy is being just like a weird cop. And this movie is much as it was. It really did not feel like a shallow, like at all with yeah. the exception of the murder. Now this has the same feel as those like late 60s yellows that are like <clears throat> really fun and don't really have like like Jean Sorlin and fucking Carol Baker should have been in this movie. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. It felt like anyway, um so I'm trying to think of okay, so <clears throat> powering through here a little bit the whole time I, and there's spoilers abound. So if you don't want to know, stop the whole time I'm like going, it's gotta be Alina. It's gotta be her. 
<clears throat> it's gotta be her. She, <laughs> and then she gets followed and she gets chased by this dude and she's like freaking out. And the chasing goes on for fucking ever. Like it's a foot chase. Yeah. And she gets on a bus, he gets in a taxi, she runs in the subway, he gets on the train too. Um, she runs home and then she collapses. And then I thought, oh fuck, she's dead. Damn it, she can't be the killer. But then she's not dead and she's in the hospital and right. she's gonna have open heart surgery. And the only person who could do it is her husband. It sounds like a bad riddle that's about to start. And not only is her husband there doing the operation, but Strange Burger's there too, who, by the way, for some reason looks a lot better with a face mask and a hairnet. She does. And I noticed that she didn't have the boob implants yet. I don't know if you noticed that. The very beginning really? scene where her fiance, <clears throat> the guy who gets killed, the doctor gets killed. Yeah. There's a scene where um, I guess he comes to her house. <clears throat> got like I a mean, little nightgown on. Box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, she didn't really have a bikini on, so you couldn't really tell. But I, I it looked to me like it. She hadn't gotten the. Although you know what, that's that probably doesn't make any sense though, because Two Faces of Fear came out in '72. Yeah, her um, breast implants were really obvious in Lizard and a Woman's Skin. And I'm just looking it up to see when that came out. 1971. So my, my theory is completely wrong. Well, I will say this for like the first, like six months after implants are put in, they're all fucked up. Yeah. And Especially have, probably back then they have, too. They have to settle. So that might've been what the problem was there. Been, been yeah. Fresh. But anyway, let's get off of strange burgers titties for a second here. Why? So why? <laughs> so it turns out that through all of this, Strange Burger is, in fact, banging George Hilton um, behind her dead boyfriend's back and behind George Hilton's wife's back. And then it turns out that the girl who's getting heart surgery right now was also banging the dead doctor. Right. So they were swingers and they didn't even know it. Right. So that's confusing. So she doesn't want to get crisscross, crisscross. <laughs> um, she doesn't want to get um, her heart surgery done by George Hilton, her husband, for some reason. And I think it's because she thinks she's going to die during right. surgery. And the surgery has real fucking footage of surgery, heart surgery, <laughs> that completely caught me off guard. And I have a hard time watching this because I can't watch real stuff. And it was very long and very suspenseful. It was probably one of the most suspenseful bits in one of these movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, oh, man, she's going to die on the operating table. She can't be the killer. And then all of a sudden she makes it through the operation. And I'm like, fuck, she is the killer. <laughs> I can't believe they just let her live so she could get arrested or something. And then somebody comes and kills her. And I was like, fucking hell. So it was like a, a giant emotional roller coaster for me. <laughs> uh, and then um, through a couple of awesome little things that the detective does, George Hilton finally does get busted for the murder. And 
I should have fucking known better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think I messaged you like fucking god damn it like should have known better right should have fucking known better every time fucking with the exception of like maybe like two movies he's like fucking screwed me right well when you when you messaged me i said well wait a minute which ones wasn't he the killer and um the my only dear two, killer. yeah my dear killer he was the, the police inspector and then uh, all the colors of the dark he was the the husband who wasn't involved wait, was in anything killer in case of the bloody iris no he was not no. So then there's the, three. Yep. Okay. But, there, but there's a lot more where he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, anyway, I was going to so, say, I, th- I thought the same thing about the surgery scene. Like, not only was it very suspenseful and difficult to watch just because it's like kind of. Like, it was makes, makes me squeamish, but yeah. they did they did a really good job with taking the footage that was real, and and interjecting it with the scenes of the totally. actors. Because I I didn't I did not see the, the the copy of the movie that I had. There was a, there was a thing that shows in the beginning that I think explains that the movie contains footage from some cert, open heart surgery footage, but it was in Italian or Spanish. And I didn't read it. I just like, oh, I'll see that later. So I wasn't prepared to see real surgery footage. And I'm and and halfway through, I was still trying to question, like, man, they did some really good effects here. Um, well, like when they the, first cut it open, I thought it was. I'm like, oh, that looks fake as shit. And then I'm right. like, that's a pig. Right, and right. That's what I thought. Open. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were doing it on an animal or something. But uh, yeah, the whole idea that. Um, they had this this fake, you know, artificial heart ready to go, and then they were going to do this surgery, and then he was going to use his hand to massage it to make it beat until it started catching up with itself again. I mean, it's crazy. It but amazing. while that's going on, at the same time, there was this clue that they found. I guess it was um, Elena's earring. Yeah. And they found it at the at the dead doctor's house, right? And then they yeah. saw the video or the, the film that they made and they were able to tie the earring to her. But Which um, is awesome because they make this video of all five of them shooting off the same gun. And it's <laughs> yeah. the gun that killed the doctor. So they're like, so everyone could use this weapon. Hmm. They all know how to fire it, right? And there, there's a scene in the very beginning, and you should have known. Uh, the very like one of the very first scenes is George Hilton and he's he's got the gun and he closed one of his eyes and he's he's got his wife in his sights and then she she turns around and she's out of focus in the background and she turns around and, <clears throat> there's a hundred times when you should have known because I think after she's in the hospital um, that Lou guy picks up strange burger and they start accusing one another of like being the killer Right. Okay, so if it's not the wife and it's not those two, the only person left is George Hilton. Right. So like, but it's just like the whole time you're going, I can't be that simple. <laughs> and, like he dropped the papers out of his pocket in the very beginning of the movie. They yep. were stolen from his office. And you're like, Oh, th- someone must've planted him there. Yeah. He's like, so cool. He's like, darling, how could you think this? you know they're not mine. Of course they're not mine. Like, he's just so cool the whole time. Like, that's George Hilton's deal. Like, he's always playing it cool, no matter what. Um, Like, even at the very end, when he's revealed as the killer, and they do those close-ups, and it's 
Strange Burger's eyes and eyebrows and his eyes and eyebrows. And he, and he gives one of these like puppy dog looks. You can only see his eyes and his eyebrows, but you know he's doing the, oh, please have, you know, have pity on me, you know, that kind of thing. And that's, that's George Hilton, man. He's always, he's always garnering sympathy from everybody, even though he's like evil bastard. I think um, <clears throat> the way the, do- uh, the cop finds out it's him is actually kind of clever. It almost is so clever. It doesn't even make sense, but I think we should not say that and let people watch that because that was like a, I was like, what? Like they totally had me fooled. And then all yeah, of a sudden, I have to go back again and, and, and check out that detail. Cause I don't even think I remember. I know it had something to do with a couple of other clues that they found. Uh, I'll just um, tell you. We'll just okay. read it anyway. So never mind. <clears throat> Basically, he's telling um, uh, George Hilton in his office right after um, the wife's been found dead or whatever that he has um, Strange Burger at the dead doctor's apartment and um, that she's going to be arrested. Oh, for, yeah. For okay. the murder. Yep. The and sting. The phone rings. And his partner's like, oh my gosh, you got to get here quick. Strange Burger just swallowed a bottle of barbiturates and she's dying. Right. So George Hilton freaks out and they run out to the car and George Hilton drives like a maniac all the way over there. And um, they get into the apartment and Strange Burger stands up and she's fine. And he's like, see, 12 minutes. It only right. took 12 minutes to get here. You totally could have killed the doctor in that time. Right. And then he's like, oh, fuck. You got me. Yeah. Shit. But wasn't there something else with the gloves and the talcum and the talcum powder? Yeah. The hair that they found? He had like a wrist hair in the glove that when they first pulled it out, I thought for sure it was a pube. And I'm like, that's gross. <laughs> well, there was a scene during the surgery where I could have sworn they stuck one of the gloves in with the heart, but it was really just um, gauze to like yeah. to like soak up the blood. But for a second, I'm like, that's what he. That's how he's going to kill her. He took his. He took the evidence of his glove, and he's going to stuff it in with her heart, and then sew her back up, and she's going to die because she has a rubber glove in her chest cavity. And now that's how he not only kills her, but gets rid of the evidence. Um, well, when you were talking about how seamlessly they cut the, together, there was one bit. Um, there's one shot of the doctor messing with the heart and it's kind of over the doctor's shoulder. And you could see that the doctor has glasses on mm. and he didn't have glasses. So that's oh, okay. only... That's interesting. I have to go back and check that out. A little continuity but, thing. Um, other than that, I mean, that whole bit was just freaking flawless. And yeah. to be fair, there like there wasn't really any nudity in this movie of any kind. It's a very clean-ish film, right? And um, again, the girl who plays Alina is just stunning in this movie. Yeah. Um, the first outfit she has on that red thing with the gold hoops around yeah. the neck. Amazing. Fantastic. And then the next time you see her, she's in this weird fucking multi green, like pantsuit thing. Yep. And they're, they're sitting her against grass. Like she's fucking <laughs> camouflaged or something. And <laughs> <Right. she's> like, 
I remember that. That was cool. And it was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I as much as this movie is kind of forgetful, it really isn't. Um, I'm kind of indifferent, but leaning more towards this was really good and everyone should watch it. Yeah, I, I think that the cast really helps to propel the film along. I think I had the same reaction that you did when they started the film and it was like, okay, here's these four like very well-to-do uh, aristocrats that are super rich and um, they're all talking about this relationship and then this one weird thing that has to do with the one doctor who wants to leave and then she, uh, Elena is basically offering him like I guess a counter offer to stay or yeah. something like that. It it remind the beginning reminded me of Cat of Nine Tales because somebody broke in to the doctor's room or the doctor's office and tried to steal some papers. And again, why they decided to steal the papers, I don't know. Um, but then um, papers, grab the papers and fucking leave. Don't right. like sit there, make a bag of popcorn and fucking read two papers. Yeah, and check and yeah, and didn't they didn't the the hidden figure go over to the um machine too? There was a thing about the answering yeah. machine where one of the calls was erased or something. Yeah. They, that was part of the investigation. Um but, another thing too was right before he got shot, he like smiled and nodded like he knew who his killer was. Right. So right off the bat, you know it's one of these It's one of them, yeah. It would have to be, right? Yeah, it totally would. I love the slow motion shot of him like falling over the coffee table with the flowers. That's a really cool shot. And the thing with the surgery that I was, I don't know why I'm drawing this parallel, but if you remember from uh, the Bloodstained Butterfly, they spent a lot of time with the trial, the court case of the guy who they thought was the guy who did the made the murdering made the murdering that's good english the guy who committed the murder <laughs> you like that right uh <laughs> dude I'm, I'm coffee on my nose made i the made the murdering wow it's like jj abrams is fucking directing this podcast right now <laughs> lens flare it's pretty nice so um and i think with this one the whole like the the whole like centerpiece of the film was the surgery scene so it was like very similar to that. So it's there wasn't a lot of blood. There was only two murders, um, and like you said, it, it's a lot more of a suspense slash mystery kind of a deal instead of a stalker slasher kind of thing, and which is weird in in one way because we're in 1972, which is like the pinnacle of the Giallo movement. But at the same time, there's something to be said, I guess, for the fact that here you've got this Argentinian director who really never did anything from the giallo world at all who's just a spaghetti western person and it's like well we're all directing these giallos now because they're the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year or whatever and he secured a decent sized budget obviously to be able to do all this with the surgery and all the medical equipment um and these actors but maybe they just decided you know what let's not do the same old same old stalking killer thing let's do something a little different and so i think that's why it it stands out as a unique film simply because of you know what we expect from a george hilton giallo 
1972, and this definitely wasn't it, even though yeah. it turns out that he's still the bad guy. But it's um, still really worth it. It's, like, refreshing almost. Yeah, I agree. What what and, did it get on the score? It did terrible on the score. It got a 41. Did you give it um, points for the airplane? I did. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, Chris better fucking give him points for that. Man. Yeah, they, they did such a good job of making you think that it was a real airplane that just for a split second that I had to give it the point. But it, it lost a ton of points because um, th- for the main reasons is that um, basically you've got a director who's not an Italian um and you don't have any black gloves, and then basically, you know, um, uh, the the the, uh, the the character played by George Hilton basically just gets you know handcuffed, and he goes away. He he leaves quietly in the in the end, and that's not really that doesn't get you a lot of points. So, you know, assuming a George that, Hilton staple, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't go quietly, or, or the killer the killers once they're once they're revealed, they, they typically don't go quietly. They either get shot um, or they they run up to the top of a cliff and jump off or <laughs> they get they, they get thrown down a well or something like that. Um, but those 40 points that it lost, if it, had, if it had had those, then we would have had an 81 scoring film. So, um, you know, it, it, it falls into the... Um, it, I, had, I had trouble trying to decide whether to give it the 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 um final vote as entertaining even though it's not a groundbreaking film but it's still entertaining or uh one of those worthwhile deviations because it really didn't deviate too much when we had a mystery we had a hidden identity of a killer we had a couple of murders and some suspects and a police ident- a, a police investigation so it, it really didn't deviate too much it didn't have the, whole the formula effective thing though no. Like that cop was, um, I don't know, like at first the jokes were annoying me and then they weren't annoying me and then they started annoying me again. Right. <laughs> well, again, I'm going back to Bloodstained Butterfly, I think, which was the, the, the running gag about the, the coffee dispensing machine was never making his espresso exactly the way he wanted it. And, and every time they brought him another cup of this coffee it was either too cold or too sweet or too strong or yeah. it's uh, like um if you've seen uh white zombie there's this the original white zombie of bella lugosi there's this character who's constantly trying to find a match for his pipe and so oh, like, okay. like a scene going on and it's all fucking like intense and all this stuff and he's like have you called a match and then the movie ends on him saying huh but do you have a match and it's like <laughs> It's like you fucking asshole. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, they, they did that. They did that in pieces too. I think because George Christopher George's character is walking around asking for a match, asking for a match constantly, and he's like, "Give it up, give it up, Lieutenant." It's a dirty habit. I probably, I probably already talked about the white zombie thing then, because that's always bugged the shit out of me. No, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I just don't remember, but I don't think we talked about it before. But okay. Um. The, the, and the the other thing with this film was the the soundtrack. Um, it wasn't necessarily forgettable, but it wasn't necessarily memorable either. I can't I think. remember it at all. Yeah, I think that there was a couple of scenes where they're driving around, where the where there's some funky stuff going on. Um, 
but it's this is one of those films and i think the next one too where i didn't pay too close attention to the soundtrack that much which is yeah. not normal I watched both of them yesterday and i can't remember any music in either one of them yeah i think the the one for the next film for the the excuse me for the second film we're going to do there's the opening credits is like there's this really kind of spooky scary gothic kind of stuff going on but then there's some Wait, other let's kind talk of weird about the, let's move on from this like i like two faces of fear you like two faces of fear it's kind of weird let's go to the next film and but, the only uh, thing that i want to say about this one is the spanish title which i screwed up actually on giallo score i have the spanish title in as the italian title but it's Coratada and Disco Rojo. And I looked up cor Coratada and it means alibi. Now, Disco Rojo means red disc or red wheel. Or red club. Yeah, so I don't know what disco alibi. I'm just kidding. Alibi. What does, what does that mean? A, a red disc of your alibi or your alibi is in a red disc. I don't get it. Don't maybe, some, maybe somebody can explain that to us who's, who listens to the podcast. Maybe it's the club of red alibis. I guess. <laughs> I'm going to switch it over. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the other one was. The, the Italian one. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. That's cool. Um, so we're moving ahead in our uh, George Hilton double feature uh, to a very interesting film called The Killer must kill again. again. Dun, dun, dun. And so this is a film directed by Luigi Cosi in 1975. Um, it stars George Hilton, as we all know. Um, and this was Luigi Cosi's first real film after this experimental kind of student film he made called Tunnel Under the World, uh, which was a sci-fi, low-budget sci-fi film. And apparently, the legend has it that Tunnel Under the World attracted the attention of Dario Argento, who recruited Cozy to help with Argento's screenwriting. And um, I think Argento directed this in 1973, this made-for-TV um, couple of episodes, like The Door to Darkness, I think it was called, and Luigi Cozy directed one of the episodes there. So um, he's well-known for his um, sci-fi and like fantasy, like sword and sandal epic movies. But his very first, you know, real like professional film was this Killer Must Kill Again, which was released in 1975 and, and is kind of considered a giallo. We'll talk about why it might or might not be. Um, the fun fact is that Luigi Cosi wanted to call the film The Spider, but I guess for marketing purposes, that wasn't going to fly. Um, so they called it The Killer Must Kill Again. But if you watch the film, the opening credits, there's uh, the imagery is all over the opening credits of the spider. And I think at the very end, when the, the credits, when the credits yeah. roll, it says <clears throat> uh, the spider in, in Italian um, as at, before the credits start to <clears throat> scroll and then next up. to the credits, there's a spider. Yeah. Yep. 
and a, and a web at, at one point or another. So um, also, it looks like this film was produced at least in part by Umberto Lenzi, which is our our favorite um, proto giallo guy. So really? we we've got some you know, we've got some heavy hitters in here. Um, in addition to George Hilton, um, we have a couple of actors that you know show up in various uh, other Italian things. But we have uh, Christina. Galbo, who's the Spanish actress who was in What Have You Done to Solange? Um, she plays um, the, the, the lead character's secret girlfriend who ends up eventually getting killed in the bathtub. Um, and the other uh, actor who plays the killer, his name is Antoine St. John. He was also in The Beyond. He was in the beginning um, black and white or sepia. If you watch that movie, it's not even a black and white. It's a it's a brown and white sepia flashback scene of Fulci's The Beyond. And he's like the guy who they think is practicing some sort of witchcraft. And so they come in their boats and they crucify him and they nail him to the wall and they throw horrible, like rotting, like acid in his face and whatever. And so that's him. He's, he's from that movie. He plays the killer in this one. Um, the music is by Nando De Luca, who is very, very unknown. He's only got um, like seven soundtracks to his credit, which, you know, as we all know, when you're talking about Jolly, um, you know, having a hundred films to your credit is not abnormal uh, if you're a composer in this time period. Um, so the film opens with this killer who never really actually has a name. They never say what his real name is or his character's name. We know his initials unless it's a, uh, unless it's from a lighter that he stole from somebody else. But um, it starts with this killer kind of finishing up, cleaning up from this murder, uh, working to dispose of this body. He's got this very bright red Volkswagen bug and a body. And uh, he's a deviant. He's got some sexual problems. He's feeling up the corpse after he puts her in the car. Um, and then, I guess, drives away. And then we see the opening credits. Um, so we're supposed to, you know, as a viewer, we're supposed to really pay attention to what just happened. Um, but then after the credits are done, we meet Giorgio and Norma, who have this very, very yellow house. I mean, I've never so seen a house. It was really awesome, but it didn't look practical. It didn't look like you could really live there. Um, it, it, it looked fantastic, though. I thought it was great. It was um, amazing. It was total, like, eye porn. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, those, the, the, the bulbs that were, like, poking out from the, the side of the, the light bulbs, the, the track lighting that was along the side of the wall, and um, there was there's some blue... Uh, in the curtains, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. That that house, I would love to see it. It's, it's probably not really a house. It's probably just the studio set yeah. up. It was gorgeous. So they're, they're fighting about money. She's telling him that he's a bastard because he's cheating on her with all these women. And he's talking about how he has to take this money out of the bank because he's trying to run the business. And her father doesn't like him and all this other stuff. And they have this fight. And he says, uh, go, go screw yourself. You're nuts. You're going to be in the mental institution. I'm leaving. And he goes out and just drives away. So he pulls over to make a phone call, I guess, to um, the girl he's cheating with. Francesca. Francesca. And he witnesses this, um, our, our killer, 
showing up in his red bug, uh, getting out of the car and pushing the, 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 the car into the canal or the lake or whatever it is to dispose of the crime. And it, it's very much an establishing kind of scene, very much like Bird with the Crystal Plumage where you know everything traces back to that one scene where um, the main character is trapped between the two pieces of glass. <clears throat> so in this particular case, Giorgio uh, confronts this killer and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to blackmail you. Um, I will pay you though, which is weird. Um, but I want you to kill my wife. Um, basically he's trying to get all the money. I think Norma had this life Chris insurance Cross. policy. Crisscross. Crisscross. Another crisscross. But I mean, it, it was, he wasn't going to kill anybody. So it really wasn't too much of a crisscross, but, um, <laughs> so the killer's like, yeah, okay, whatever. They go to this ice skating rink and he's like, yeah, okay, fine. So Giorgio returns home and he makes up with Norma and they have sex and everything's great. And Giorgio's like, I think I found a solution to all of our problems. And then the funny scene happens where Giorgio meets the killer again in the movie theater. And if uh, the trivia here is that they're actually screening Luigi Cosi's first film, this low budget sci-fi film called tunnel under the world uh, in the movie theater. When, when these two characters are talking and there's a scene in the very beginning where the projectionist sticks his face to look in out at the theater to see, you know, who's in the theater and that's the director. Um, at least from the, the notes that I read on the film, that's his little cameo in the film. So um, they meet again and they have a little bit more discussion about the details. And Giorgio says, look, just come by my house say, you know, uh, say you're meeting up with me and go in my house and kill my wife and I'll get you the rest of the money. Once I get it, you know, I get it from my father-in-law and, and so on and so forth. Um, so then we go to this scene where um, the killer goes to, kill Norma and I thought they did a really good job with this whole juxtaposition thing where um, as Norma is getting more and more scared and more and more suspicious of this figure that she's led into her house who claims to be friends with her husband um, we see um, Giorgio at this party and everybody's laughing and he's telling jokes and then she gets strangled and uh, he's holding up his um, his champagne, champagne glasses and toasting to the evening. Um, so I thought it was really cool how they kind of interjected those two scenes together. Uh, I mean, to basically show that they were happening simultaneously, but like the two ends of the, of the, the spectrum <clears throat> of, of emotion. Um, so basically um, Norma is dead and the killer now, to, now needs to dispose of the body, but here's the problem. Um, these two, crazy kids decide that they're going to go over to the car. Now I think it was, it was the killer's car or was it Giorgio's car? I can't remember. It was the killer's car. It was the killer's car. Yeah. So he left the car with the door open and the keys in the car. So these two hippie kids come by and steal the car. After so, the body's already in the trunk. Right. Good point. Thank you for remembering, for reminding me about that. Cause that was clearly the big thing. So yeah, the, uh, the killer comes out, puts the, um, body in the trunk and then goes back in to clean up the rest of the stuff and comes back out and the car is gone. Um, so the killer is forced to steal another car and go after them. And that's really where this movie switches into uh, its main phase, which is what's going to happen next. It's not so much about, okay, we know there's a killer. We know there's an investigation. Um, 
We know there's, <clears throat> you know, there's there's clues that people are trying to follow. It's none of that. It reminds me more of Mario Bava's um, Rabid Dogs, yeah. where it's basically people in the car and what's going to happen next and what's going to happen next, you know. So, um, and it's and it's suspenseful. It's it's Very really interesting. Like, I, what was that? It's like a Tarantino movie, you know. Yeah, it's like, I think so. A random thing happens, and then all of these ridiculous things happen after it. You know, like a domino effect of hell. Yeah, it's very Tarantino, or maybe very um, something that you know. Maybe maybe Tarantino was. Well, Tarantino ripped off all the Italian directors anyway. So, yeah. Okay, moving right along. So the kids, you know, they steal gas. They keep driving. They drive all night long to get to to get to this wonderful, horrible beach. It's supposed to be the thing that they've been talking about for hours. They've been, you know, she's this, the, the girl who just happens to be a virgin. She plays a virgin in um, Solange too, which is interesting. Um, so she's a virgin and she wants it to be, you know, the right time and the right place and feel the right way and all this other stuff. And they arrive at this beach that they've been fantasizing about for miles and miles and miles. And it's awful. It's like this little tiny, like, piece of dirt with with the uh, with the ocean and i would like to ask any of our italian friends or our italian correspondent if this is a typical you know is this typical when 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 italians say we're going to the beach is this typically what they expect and i just i'm i'm totally just spoiled by the beaches that we have in the united states like i live near the jersey shore so that's like you know, Atlantic City and Wildwood and Seaside Heights and that whole thing. Like that's the beach, the way that I think of it. These long stretches of beach, and you know, for a creep on the West Coast, same thing. Like yeah. you know, the the you know, um, Santa Monica and that whole thing, or Venice. Um, but maybe in Italy, this is what people are used to. As this is what you do when you go to the beach. So, I, I'd I'd love to hear from the folks that say, yeah, this is. This is not typical. This is typical of what a good beach day is because I know that places in France and places in Spain, that's not what the beach looks like. So I don't know if it's just Italy. Um, The funny thing is about it. It's called Seagull Rock. Seagull Rock. That's right. And after they say that once and it like does like a, like a transition to them at the place, they show a picture of a seagull (laughs) and show a picture of a rock. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of interesting too, because I wonder how that translates, right? Is there such a thing? Like, did they say, you know, the rock, you know, seagull rock in Italian? Is that does that translate exactly the same way? And so they did that scene, or did they do it specifically for the English version? I don't know. Or, or did they did they film that scene with the seagull and the rock, and then later decide in the English language version that that's what they would call the beach, because they already have a picture of the seagull and the rock, so why not call it that? Um, but anyway. I, and, and Cozy does these cool things where he does these, these. Um, what 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 is that device called where you where you just zoom in the? It's like, like what they would do in silent movies and shit. A negative spotlight where the whole <clears throat> scene goes black except for the circle that focuses on this one thing. Yeah. Where they get to the toll booth and, like, we didn't need that. I mean, we know um, what the yeah. car looked like, and you know they did the overdub oh. of of what they said when they were at the at the, um, the toll booth. But I thought that was funny that they did that. So, um, so, okay. So basically, um, 
so basically the 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 is it the Laura the Laura character um she's not happy with this beach so they say hey let's break into this abandoned house so they break into the abandoned house and Luca goes and finds some sort of inflatable like air mattress which he can't inflate because it's got too many holes in it and so he's like what are we going to do like I'm trying so hard to 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 fuck this girl. I mean, I'm, I'm doing everything. I I'm I've drove all night long listening to your nonsense. I stole a um, fucking car. <laughs> I stole a car. I stole gas. I stole money from the gas guy. Um, we drove all the way to the beach. You don't like the beach. Now we broke into a house. I mean, how many more crimes do I have to commit before we have sex? Right. So she says, "Look, I'm hungry. Go out and get me some food." <laughs> and he's like, "All right, fine, but this is it. I'm not doing anything else." Oh, ridiculous. So, so Luca leaves, and he's driving his car, and he runs into this damsel in distress whose car's broken down. This blonde girl who's also super hot, and but she's a whore. Like she's like a total like not a whore, but she's like a tramp. She's like, oh, oh, I got this beautiful guy here, and uh, let's pull over to the side and bang, you know, in the middle of uh, in in the middle of the road, like a, on a dead end part of the road. So. Um, Meanwhile, the killer shows up and he goes into the house and they do it. Sorry. What's that? <clears throat> I knew she looked really familiar. She's the redheaded chick from uh, Strip Nude for Your Killer. Oh, yes, she is. That's right. Did you just look that up or did we get. Yeah, some... I just looked it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for, for mentioning that because I know it's like I've seen her somewhere. Um, so meanwhile, the killer shows up, and then they do this really um, hard-to-watch um, double scene again, where they juxtapose really the, hard. Yeah. the sex, yeah, the sex scene between the the hitchhiker and Luca, and then the rape scene of Laura and the killer. And the killer's like saying things like "I love you" to her, and he's he's clearly like fucked up, like he's got some serious problems. He's not just. He's not just a hitman for hire. Like he's not just this professional killer. Like he's he's got serious issues. Is that the wolves? Yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome. Jesus Christ, dude. They're they're they're, I, they're, I they're mourning the, the deflowering of Laura in the film. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it was like th this was pretty heavy stuff at this point because it's very suspenseful. Um, Laura, who's been who's been fighting this whole time to not have sex until she's really ready, gets forced to have it anyway. Uh, and and it, the look on her face the whole time is just terrifying. Yeah, it's really bad. She's got tears in her eyes, and she looks like she's you know in shock. Um, so after that all happens, the killer ties her up. And then Luca comes back. He's hoping to have this threesome going on. But when he finds Laura tied up, the killer knocks him out. And the killer leaves the house and sees the blonde who's discovered the body in the trunk. And so he brings her in and says, oh, yeah, well, these two guys, they're the killers. Um, come with me and the inspector will be here soon. And he, he, he coaxes her into the house under these false pretenses and then ends up stabbing her to death. Um, and um, which which is a it's pretty violent scene as well, like this the stabbing thing I thought was uh, yeah. pretty well done, well orchestrated. Um, so at the end, um, the Laura character finds a way to kind of free herself by I guess using the knife to cut her bow her bonds, uh, while the killer the killer's like now that he's killed this blonde girl, he's kind of fucked up, like he's walking around and he's 
for whatever reason he's he's distraught or he's got some, some he's like in like a trance or something i don't yeah. know yeah i don't know why but you know <clears throat> something was affecting him so um laura uses that opportunity to to get the jump on him and stab him and she finally kills him so um meanwhile while all of this is going on we have this weird kind of police investigation where it's really not an investigation because you can tell the whole time that the inspector suspects and knows that it's Giorgio and that he's just biding his time until he has all the evidence that he needs um, because he already knows that Norma um, had a huge insurance policy and that the you know he went and talked to the Norma's father and he didn't have any nice things to say about Giorgio so I think it was already assumed that uh, from the inspector's point of view that this guy was guilt guilty party uh, or was at least involved in this kidnapping yeah. because some things just didn't add up and things didn't didn't happen correctly or whatever. So um, somehow, despite the fact that these two kids drove miles and miles and miles over to the beach, um, it's still within the jurisdiction of this inspector. I don't know why. Um, maybe because they found the body of the girl. Maybe that's why he gets called in. They don't really explain that. They also don't explain who the killer was killing in the very beginning. Like nobody knows who that is. Uh, it was never touched on at all. I guess well, they just, never got the car out of the water. No, they never did. So um, the inspector stages this sting, which is very, I found it ridiculously ironic and interesting that we pick these two movies with George Hilton and they're random, randomly picked, but they both end exactly the same way. So, yeah. um, they, the police set up a sting to capture Giorgio. He finds the car. He finds the body in the car, I think, and um, decides that he's going to drive it off and brings it over to the same spot where the other car was pushed into the lake. And um, before he can do it, the cops capture him, and he Which just says, "What? So fucking stupid! Like this body's been rotting in a trunk for a day <laughs> and a half. Right. Hey, let's leave the body in the trunk just to freak him out, like." Right. So like, just ridiculous. I don't know. Well, he, I guess he wouldn't. You know, they, I guess they assumed he wouldn't do anything if he just found the car without the body in it, right? Because he could just pretend that he didn't know whose car it was if it wasn't yeah. him. Um. So then he gives up, like very willingly, just like the other movie, and says something about, "Um, let's go. It's cold out here. I'm cold yeah. now. It's which getting really, cold outside." Which is really weird. Um. So. This is an interesting film. First of all, I, I thought it was I thought it was very good. I think it was really well done. The suspense was well done, and uh, it, it's definitely a film that I would that I would watch again because it was yeah. it was fun to 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 see how the events kind of um, unfold. I don't know if it would be as as fun the second or third time through because that whole surprise factor of what's going to happen next is kind of ruined. But then again, you know you can watch Tarantino movies over and over again too. So. It's kind of like there's some movies where they did it effectively enough so that even though the real surprise is already ruined or at least you know what, what the outcome is, you still watch it anyway because you're anticipating one scene to the next. Um, but it's interesting about this film and the fact that it's called a jolly or considered a, a, a giallo because there's no real mystery. The only mystery is what's going to happen next. Like what's going to yeah. end up happening to the killer? How is he going to resolve this? And what's going to happen to Giorgio? Because he's revealed right in the beginning, his face is clearly visible and we know who's in on it. Um, 
but it still has a lot of the same kind of giallo elements. Um, there's a body count, there's a flashback, there's an accomplice, uh, it's an urban location. Um, we do have like a, we do have a police investigation. We don't have an amateur detective, but we have a police investigation. And um, so it didn't do well in a Jalo score. It did as bad as the other one. It got a 42. Um, but this is again, uh, because of the fact that, you know, it, lo it loses a lot of points in the staples section where you don't have black gloves. You don't really have a killer is on the loose or a hidden identity, which are typically very big deals in this, in this type of film. So, um, but at the same time, it really does feel like a giallo uh, more than anything else. Although it does have a lot of kind of like a thriller, almost kind of a slasher aspect to it. Um, suspense. But you're talking about 1975 too. So, I mean, you know, they were trying to do something different. Um, the director, this was this is his one attempt at a giallo. So maybe he decided to do something a little bit more unique. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I've been talking about it a lot. So what do you think about it, Creep? <clears throat> um, well, first off, the killer is probably the most menacing-looking killer I've seen in any movie. Like, he's fucking terrifying. And um, the dubbing they did on his voice was, like, fucking perfect. Like, it was so, like, <clears throat> it was so terrifying. And I think probably the biggest surprise of the movie for me was when he came out and his car wasn't there because the whole beginning of the movie, you're like, dude, this guy's the most professional fucking killer in the world. This is fucking crazy. Like right. George Hilton's got in way too deep, blah, 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 blah. But then he's exactly. like, Oops, I lost my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is dumb as anybody else. And he's like, fuck. And it was just like, it's such a weird thing to happen to the main antagonist of a movie. Like, on a whim, his car gets stolen while he's fucking cleaning up a crime scene. Yeah. It's just, <clears throat> it's so, like, it's like one of those ideas that someone probably had, like, when they were driving home from work. Like, a total random thought. Like, oh my god, what if, like, a killer was disposing a body and someone stole his fucking car? That's hysterical. Right. right. About it. <laughs> um, the thing totally. about George Hilton, though, is he, I'm sure they made him look a little older, but he just looked, I've never seen him look so tired. Yeah, he totally like, looked tired. He looked beat in this yep. movie. And this is the first time that whoever did his voiceover, his dubbing, wasn't the same guy that's done it every other time I've seen it. Yeah. So his voice, it like threw me as soon as he started talking because I'm so used to the same guy doing his dubbing on every fucking movie. Right. So when his when he started talking, I was like, what the fuck is going on, dude? Um, but I mean, the star of the movie besides the killer is their fucking apartment. It's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the most amazing looking thing. Like if you just want to see how badass a yellow apartment can look, yeah, watch this movie. It's the same kind of thing, like with um, case strange case of Miss Ward, that weird ass apartment with the green and white stripes. It's like yeah. it's so bizarre. 
yep. that like you just want to like pause it and stare at it. Yeah. And, like there's this weird like I think it's like a see-through like plexiglass table with these weird chairs. Yes. <laughs> and like uh. everything in this apartment is so fucking weird, but it all matches. Yeah. It and looked like uh, they they spent a lot of time designing that room. Fucking hell, dude! It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and the whole the movie was well done. I mean, like the whole thing where he leaves the girl and he ends up fucking some other chick while um, he, she's getting raped and stuff. Like it's smart. I mean, there were some things like the place that they broke into looked fine, except for this one room. It looked like it was just trashed. Yeah. As soon as they walk in, they're like, wow, it doesn't look like anyone's been here for years. I'm like, actually, looks pretty fucking clean as you're going up those stairs. Yeah. It's just when you get into that main room that it looks like a fucking bomb went off. But, um, I don't know. It was like when the killer gets killed to me, it almost happened too soon. It's almost like George Hilton's the real villain the whole time. Right. Killer was just like a dog. He let loose. So it's like, the dog goes down, but it doesn't fucking matter because you blame the owner. You right. know? So and that's, inter- that. that's interesting too, because like it was totally random that Giorgio ran into this guy and it just happened to witness him doing this. And like you said, you know, in the beginning you're like, okay, this guy is professional. He's clearly not fucking around. And, you know, maybe George Hilton is really getting in over his head with this guy, and and maybe what's going to happen is that the guy is going to come back and get Georgia. That's what I thought the whole fucking time, right? <laughs> and 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 then it turns out, like you said, that he's totally like foul, like he, he he's he's human, and not only did he lose the car and have to steal <clears throat> another car, and like how how tense was that one moment where he's fumbling with hot wiring it and the alarms going off and the, yeah. the lights and the, the lights in the neighbor's houses are, are going off and, and he's got to like fly out of there. And then, um, you know, just some of the other stuff, like when he, he finally gets stabbed a couple of times and he gives her this look like, Oh, well, looks like you got me. And then falls the, over the look on his face when he's raping her. Yeah. He's like, he's seriously, one of the scariest looking dudes I have ever seen. (laughs) He's just fucking. And I don't know if, if his face, if they did stuff with the makeup to make his face look alien or a little bit weird, or if that's just the way he looks, but he, he's just got this really strange look about the forehead and the eyes just like bulging out. Like, I don't know if he's ever done a movie where he was the good guy in it, but that would be a shit. (laughs) Really? It wouldn't be very convincing. <laughs> That's for sure. He's the love interest. Hey, oh. Can you imagine? Oh Jeez. my god! But I don't know. He he's he just made the movie. <clears throat> George Hilton. I mean, except for the beginning and the end, he's almost an afterthought. Yeah. And the star of this movie, besides that apartment, is the killer and the two kids that steal the car. They're idiots the whole time, and they're pulling <laughs> shit like. In a slasher movie in the 80s, you're like, why are you fucking doing this? You guys are so fucking stupid. Don't do that. Don't go down there. Right. It's like, as soon as she goes down in the basement, you're like screaming, like, you stupid fucking bitch, get out of the fucking basement. Right. You know? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's really, really good. Like, um, like, 
I don't know. He he was amazing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I agree. I like both of these films, and I would definitely watch them both again. And I think um, the whole point of this episode is that it's you know a George Hilton double feature, and I think that he really does make both of these films um, more entertaining than they would be if he wasn't in them. So yeah. Um, so bravo to George Hilton. What I'll, I'll try to I'll try to poke him on Facebook and see if he wants to listen to the podcast and maybe come on because I know he's like. He's like doing stuff now. I don't know if he speaks English, but he's he's active again. He's in a film like he's listed as being in a film that's in production right now, and he's on Facebook and he's posting pictures of himself and yeah. You know, so it would be interesting. That's how to I found out that that dude died. Oh yeah, he posted something about he posted it. it. Interesting. But, um, it would be really great to ask him if he thought it was a good idea to run off with the car at the end of that movie. Because I thought that was the stupidest idea in the fucking history of the world. Like, that just has guilt written all over him, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, I don't know... If, you, if you're trying to make sense of it all, and it's like, okay, here comes Giorgio, and he still feels like he's under a bit of suspicion, but he's just got all this money that he's going to use for ransom. He's going he's gonna to wait to hear from the killer... Um, eventually and pay him off and you know he's feeling like he's getting close to the end of this thing and then all of a sudden he finds the car and the the, the passenger or the driver's door is open and the trunk is open and he opens the trunk and he sees his wife in there like I mean I don't know what what would you would do at that point I mean you I guess the only alternative would be to say let me call the cops and pretend that I don't know anything about this yeah but I you and know he, then he lit the police guy's cigarette with his the fucking bad lighter <laughs> awful <clears throat> but anyway yeah. two very cool films i enjoyed them so um are we gonna do the top 10 because we've been doing two movies at a time and then you yeah. guys did that one movie without me that one week but that's right so do we, we – well, let me go through and see how many films we have because – There should know, we, be 19 after next week, I think. Right. We started with um, episode 51, right? And that was the first episode after Eric left the show. Thank. And that was episode 51 that didn't have any films. We did a, 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 re, a recap of the, the genre. We did a back-to-basics episode, so – then the next episode after that was the Redemption Tour, where we did um, Bay of Blood and Back Black Belly of the Tarantula. And then after that, we started with some with the uh, with I think we did four Lindsay films in a row. Um, and then and then so on and so on and so on. We did the two Paul Nashy films. Um, so yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff, and I think, you know, we we need to do a top ten, but it's more than ten, so. Yeah, um, let's just put them in order. We'll put them in order. You want to do that for next time? Let's do that for next yeah, time. Sure. Um, and that will that will include the two that we're going to cover next time, which is um, the Barbara Boucher episode. As much as we love George Hilton and his manly spaghetti western giallo ways, uh, we're much more interested in Barbara Boucher and her exquisite body. Vagina. And, 
gorgeous blonde hair. Um, so next week, and, and this is a result of the polling that we did on our Facebook group page um, where we asked our loyal followers to pick the next few films. And um, it turned out that this George Hilton double episode won by, I think, one vote. So but then the there next... was another poll, like a little further down, that had Amok and the other movie winning. What is it? French Sex Murders? Is that right? Oh, did that one win? So I think what happened was I put the poll up with, I think, five or six or seven choices. And um, when it was time to close the poll, the George Hilton and the Barbara Boucher. Uh, options were a tied, so I redid yeah. the poll with just those two, oh. and the George, the George Hilton won one. So, but we'll do, you know, we'll do Barbara Boucher next next time, and that's going to be a muck and the French sex murders. Um, apparently, the, the French sex murders has this interesting character who's supposed to look like Humphrey Bogart, but is really bad. Uh, yeah. I, I've heard really bad things about this film, but it's Barbara Boucher, and you know, what can you say? About Barbara yeah, Boucher. That's in the title. Now, now meanwhile, Amok, uh, don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that one has the um, the lesbian scene, which I'm very excited about watching again. Uh, with, um, I forget the other actress's name, who's in Amok, but it's the two of them. So Is it that Mimsy chick? It's the girl who was in... Was she in the perfume one? Rosabella Neri. And she was in, oh, she, let's see, she's in the Friends Sex Murders, too. You know the girl from Four Flies on Grey Velvet? What's her name? Mimsy Farmer? Yeah. Is she in Amok? No. Okay. Why did I think that? But that other girl that was in Four Flies on Grey Velvet is so hot. The, um, the cousin who, oh, comes in halfway, who comes in halfway through. Um, mm -hmm. So let's see, Amok. What else was she in? French Sex Murders. I know I've seen her from something. Let's see. Oh, she was in Top Sensation with um, you Barbara did. Boucher. Uh, not Barbara Boucher, with Edwidge, which we haven't, um, we haven't uh, done yet. But she was also in Lady Frankenstein. We might be saving that for episode 100. Which one? The um, top sensation? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Maybe sixty episode 69. We could do that one. Maybe. So that'll be next, uh, that'll be next time. And um, then we'll catch up with the other ones. I believe um, we also talked about, uh, let's see, doing um, some proto-giallo, uh, Naked You Die, and Libido. Libido is the one and only film directed by Ernesto Gastaldi from like 67 or something. Um, we also talked about doing um, Redemption Part 2 with Eyeball, um, but I'm going to wait until I go to see it in the, in, the, um, in the theaters. Oh, the other one that got a lot of votes was the late Argento Jolly, Phenomena and Trauma. So we may, um, we may decide to go and do that one too. I wouldn't mind doing trauma, but I could give two shits about the other one. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, Phenomena has a lot of fans on our. It does. Our, I know. <clears throat> I know. So, um, 
but yeah, so that'll be next time. And don't forget to go to uh, com to get all the episodes, um, as well as um, to give us some reviews on iTunes. Um, check out our Facebook group. For those of you who are actually listening to this podcast who aren't in the Facebook group, uh, look us up on Facebook, Jalo Chow Chow. It's a closed group, but we're getting new members all the time, and I always am quick to respond to new requests. And then um, go to Twitter, the J- at Jalo Chow Chow. That's right. We have a Twitter. That we haven't done anything with in a long time. <clears throat> but we're going to try to start doing that more. I was um, bored at work one day and um, decided to sign up for Twitter so that I, I think we have a, a few folks who actually listen to our podcast who don't use Facebook. So yeah. uh, it's another opportunity to... Um, and I'll hook up a stream thing so when we post an episode, it goes to that um, Twitter account. Oh, cool. Excellent. Oh, yeah, we, have like, we have like 40 more- followers, so that's not so bad. Someone is trying to figure out how to fix the iTunes thing because I can't figure it out. Oh, to, to open up all the episodes? Yeah. Okay. Great. This happens to quite a few people. So um, I'm having somebody look at it. Cool. Well, that'd so. be great. And as always, check out jalloscore.com. I have been really dropping the ball on that site, you guys. I'm really sorry. Nice. I, I did publish the two episodes that we did tonight. Um, I wrote them up today, and I was very proud of myself for getting them done. Um, but I'm still missing the washing machine, um, and I'm still missing oh. – um, besides the washing machine, I'm missing my, blo- uh, my Bloody Valentine as well as – um, blue eyes for the broken doll. So those are the ones we've covered on the show that haven't made it to um, Jalo score. They have been scored, but they just haven't been written up. So um, we'll be doing that. Uh, I'm going to try and do that as, as, as often as I, or quickly as I can. Um, and that's it. Once again, don't forget about the um, contest for the deck of cards. Just that, pick one song, tell us what it is, and what time it starts. Yeah, pick one of the four classical pieces featured in the washing machine and post what it is. I will repost the question to our group so that we have it at the top, and maybe we'll pin it until the podcast episode is ready or what have you. Um, but, uh, yeah. so that's My that. gin is gone, so I think the show's over. Your gin is gone, and there's no more juice. There's no more show. So um, that was a good episode. So ciao, ciao, everybody. Take it easy. Ciao, ciao, everybody. See you next time.